Testing one, two. Good evening, congregation. I bring a warm-hearted greetings from Antipas Reformed Baptist Church in Pretoria, where I have the privilege of serving. It is uh, a wonderful privilege to be here tonight and to serve you with the word of our Lord God Almighty. You may turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 to 17. The theme from this text is the armor of God, and I have titled this sermon tonight, Standing Firm in the Christian Conflict. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 17, Standing Firm in the Christian Conflict. If I were to start talking to you tonight about warfare, you would likely think of the 21st century soldier, which we often see in movies, we often see on the news, especially since the uh, Russian-Ukrainian war, decked out in his modern armor, very sophisticated, with all the modern technology to his disposal for warfare. Now, the first century soldier of the Roman Empire looked much different than, you know, what we know as the 21st century uh, Western soldier. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter of Ephesians in that period of his life where he for two years was under house arrest in Rome. We read about that in Acts chapter two. 28 verse 30. Um, He was guarded daily by a Roman soldier and uh, he was constantly exposed to the Roman soldier's armor. And in our text he then uses that armor which he daily saw as an illustration or a fitting example when he writes to the Ephesians believers about our spiritual struggle against the devil and his demonic army. Now, the armor of the Roman soldier consisted of the belt, firstly. The belt fastened the undergarment and all the loose hanging clothes uh, to prevent entanglement. And then secondly, there was the breastplate, which fastened on the front and the back of the body, which protected all the vital organs of the soldier. Then thirdly, there was the shoes, uh, which uh, provided secure footing, secure stance in battle. Also, there was the shield, which was a very big shield, and it covered almost uh, the entire body of the soldier, and uh, covered and protected the body from flying arrows or spears, sword piercings. Then there was the helmet on the head, which prevented fatal blows to the head, And then there was the sword, sixthly, uh, with which the Roman soldier could um, immobilize any attacker. That was the Roman armor that Paul saw daily as he was guarded by a Roman soldier. Now, in the text tonight, we have two encouragements. I think due, due to time constraints, I'll only have time to properly look at one of these encouragements. But I'll, I'll give an overview of the other one. Two encouragements concerning the armor of God, so that we would not be caught off guard due to our ignorance of the spiritual battle. 
on the evil day of temptation. That we would not be caught off guard, but that we would rather be ready and able to withstand the onslaught of the evil one and stand firm against all the schemes of the devil and his demons. With this as introduction, let us read Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10 to 17, and then I'll pray for the Lord's help. <coughs> Ephesians 6, verse 10 from the English Standard Version reads, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Just up unto thee from the Word of God. Beloved, let us close our eyes in prayer. <clears throat> our Heavenly Father, we come humbly before you, bowing ourselves low but also with much excitement in our hearts that we this evening, Lord, can again on the Lord's day spend time in your word to hear the word expounded, explained, applied to our lives. Lord, our desire is for you to be with you, to have a tangible experience of your presence with us tonight, to know that you are here as you promised and Lord, to learn from you, to get to know you better through your word and the working of your Holy Spirit in our hearts, to know your truth better, Lord, your will and your ways, so that we may love you more and serve you better in this world. Be with us tonight, and may the preaching of your word accomplish that end, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would help me tonight to say nothing more, nothing less that, than you want your people to hear. That you will, Lord, grant me a holy unction by your Spirit. That when I speak, it would not be as the words of just a man, but that God would speak through me, a willing instrument. Lord, that your word will be heard through the working of your Spirit in each of our hearts. And Lord, that we would be changed through the preaching of your Word tonight for time and eternity. Come and glorify yourself in these moments, we pray. And grant us clarity of thought and understanding. Enlighten us to the deep depths that you have inspired in this text. 
Please, God, we pray this in the name of our God, our Saviour, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Beloved, we, God wants us, first of all, from this text, to consider our need for the armour of God. That's the, the first point that comes to us from this text. Consider your need for the armour of God. Now, our enemy, the devil, is a mighty foe, as we all know, with whom we must reckon. And for this supernatural ability and, and empowerment, rather, uh, is necessary. Not normal human power, but supernatural power to stand victorious in the conflict against the devil and against his demonic armies. And therefore Paul says here in Ephesians 6 verse 10, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. The strength, the might that comes from God is a supernatural strength that we need to stand firm in the conflict. Mere earthly, mere human power as measured in physical strength, or is as in intellectual strength, or as in emotional strength, will be of no avail. It's useless against a spiritual foe as the devil. And that is what Paul means here in verse 12. If you would look there with me in your Bibles, he, say, he says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's no mere human enemy we have. Our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And to stand victorious against such a foe, we need to be empowered with spiritual strength, namely the strength, as Paul writes here in verses 10 to 13, that comes from not within us, the strength that comes from outside of us, from, of, from God, the strength that is found, as he says in verse 10, in the Lord alone. A first question that we may ask the text is, how does this strength become ours? Well, Paul's answer in the text is, by daily taking up and putting on by faith certain spiritual qualities that God provides us in Christ to put on these spiritual qualities by faith. Paul commands twice and he emphasizes through repetition here. So we know what he's saying is very important. In verse 11 and in verse 13, he uses these words, put on the whole armor of God, verse 11. And then verse 13, he again says, Take up the whole armor of God. Every piece of that armor is important. None of it can be neglected. We are to put on the whole armor, as the apostle says here, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. A second question that we may ask the text is not only how does the strength become ours, but what is the purpose of this armor that God grants us in Christ? Well, Paul's answer here is so that we may stand against the devil's temptations that comes to us from without through worldly seduction and that comes to us from within through fleshly 
desires, those sinful desires of our fallen natures, so that we may stand. And again, Paul repeats here twice what the purpose of this armor is in verses 11 and 13. You can look with me in your Bibles. He says, put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. In verse 13, he says, so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. That is the day of temptation. And having done all, to stand firm. Now, you would have heard the word stand, withstand, repeated constantly by Paul. And that is something that I have to emphasize from the text. That the spiritual armor of God is for a specific purpose, namely for defense, not for offense. In other words, it is effective, like the text says, to withstand in order to stand firm. It is not effective for attacking and for gaining ground. So, uh, you know, as, as, as is sometimes claimed. I say this because we must understand, congregation, there was one offensive launched against the devil and his demonic armies. And that was by our Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary. And that was a successful offensive. Satan and his demonic army was defeated on Calvary by our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, we don't have to launch another offensive. We should just stand firm, as the text says, in the victory that Christ has already won over the enemy. Nowhere in Scripture, especially the New Testament, are we commanded to launch another offensive against the devil and his demons through prayer walks and through anointing oil on all your furniture and through verbal declarations in the name of Jesus Christ and all these things that we often hear about. That's nowhere commanded in Scripture. But we are commanded clearly from the text to withstand being clothed with the armor of God so that we may stand firm on the evil day. <clears throat> so God wants you to consider your need for the armor, without which you and I cannot withstand on the evil day of temptation and without which we cannot stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And after you have considered the second thing that the Lord wants you to do, and I want to spend a bit more time here. The second encouragement from the Lord is to clothe yourself with the armor of God. Not only consider the necessity thereof, but clothe yourself with the armor of God. Now read again with me from your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 14. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Here Paul lists these spiritual qualities that God provides us in Christ for the spiritual battle 
we must face every day. This is the spiritual qualities that we need to take up and put on by faith. Like the Roman soldier had to take up daily his physical armor and clothe himself with it every day anew. I must say uh, these spiritual qualities are not put on once and then you have it for all time. It's not like a, an injection or a flu shot which inoculates you for the rest of your life. We must put it on every day anew. Now the first spiritual quality that the Apostle Paul, writing on behalf of God through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the first quality that he says that we must put on is the belt of truth. He speaks firstly of truth, which is important. Paul refers here, when he talks about the belt of truth, to honesty, sincerity, transparency, and integrity in our daily lives. The ESV is a very good translation here. Paul is not speaking of the truth here, as in the gospel message, uh, seeing that in the original manuscripts, the definite article the is left out, both in the Textus Receptus and in the UBS 4, uh, which gives us the idea, the idea he's not talking about the gospel truth. I mean, Jesus says in John 8, verse 31, 32, If you keep my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There he talks about the gospel truth. But here Paul is speaking about truthfulness, the belt of truth. He has already, previously in the same letter, commanded the Ephesian believers to be a people of truth. Um, and he's just uh, emphasizing, bolstering it here. You can look with me at Ephesians 4 verse 25. He says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Again, in chapter 5 verse 9, we read that Paul wrote, For the fruit of light in Christ is found in that in all that is good and right and true. So he is again emphasizing what he has already written here. And he knows that this is one area in which the devil and his army is going to attack the Christian. Why? Because the devil is called in John 8 verse 44, the father of all lies and deception. It's on the, this ground that he attacks us if we are vulnerable. And therefore, we need to put on the belt of truth, to be a people of truthfulness. As he says here in verse 14a, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Beloved, this is a call to a firm and lifelong commitment. And if I may, by way of application, say it implies to us Initial, yes, but also daily repentance of all forms of falsehood. If we are to be a people of truthfulness. Spoken lies. We need to repent of that. Pretense and hypocrisy in our lives. We need to repent of that as the Spirit shows it to us. Bending of the truth by adding to it or subtracting, withholding concealment of the truth before God and man, of all of these things we need to repent, to stand firm. Beloved, if you 
do not stand firm in honesty, in sincerity, in transparency and integrity before God and man, you will be an easy prey for the devil and his armies. Then a second spiritual quality that we need to put on in Christ is righteousness. The Apostle Paul goes on to say in verse 14, Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and, along with that, secondly, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now we know that we can never, theologically speaking, separate imputed righteousness from applied righteousness. And I hope I'm making sense. Imputed righteousness has to do with justification. That based upon our faith in Christ's atonement, God declares us before Him to be righteous in position. That is imputed righteousness, justification. Applied righteousness has to do with sanctification, where based upon also our faith in Christ, we are made in practice what we are already in position becoming more righteous in our, the everyday flow and course of our lives. We can't separate these two. They always stand together, imputed and applied righteousness. And please, if you do not fully understand what I'm explaining now, I would encourage you to seek uh, the input of your elders. Speak to the elders about these things, because it's very important that we understand the difference between imputed and applied righteousness. But... Paul's emphasis, based on the context here, is on applied, on practical righteousness. In other words, what he's speaking about is obedience to the moral will of God in the course of our everyday lives. Paul is speaking about our doing what is right in the sight of God. He's saying the same here as what he wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 6, verse 13, when he says to them, because we are united with Christ, raised with him from the dead to a new life in Christ, therefore we must reckon ourselves dead to sin, alive to God, and that means that we should not use our bodies anymore as instruments of unrighteousness. We should use our bodies as instruments of righteousness in the course of our everyday lives. And that's what he's talking about here, the breastplate of righteousness. And Paul has already also referred to righteous living as an outflow of the Spirit's indwelling. In chapter 5, verse 9, I just read it to you. The fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And Paul knows that this is another area in which the devil and his armies will attack the Christian, and therefore he mentions it here. Because Satan wants to destroy our testimonies in this world by seducing us through the, the sinfulness of the world and the sinfulness of our own fleshly desires so that we might come to a fall and act in unrighteousness. Therefore, he writes, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And this also is a call to a firm, lifelong commitment, beloved. By way of application, I'd like to say this implies to us that we need to repent daily of all forms of unrighteousness 
Those things that the Bible calls sin and that the Holy Spirit convicts us of. For instance, we can start maybe practically with uh, the works of the flesh that Paul mentions in Galatians chapter 5 verse 19. You don't have to turn there, but let me read to you. He says, the works of the flesh are evident. It is sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy between people, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. This is a good list to start with, and everything else that the Bible calls sin, we need to repent of if we are going to be a people of practical righteousness, growing in our sanctification to become all the more what we are already in position before God, perfectly righteous before God in Christ. If you are not firmly committed to living a life of practical righteousness, you are going to be an easy prey for the devil and his armies. A third spiritual quality that Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says that we need to clothe ourselves with, which is part of the armor that God provides us in Christ, is peace. Peace. Not only truth, not only righteousness, but peace. The shoes, which is mentioned here, of the Roman soldier had studs underneath, much like rugby or soccer boots has today. And uh, that provided firm footing for the soldier, firm stance, and he could not easily be pushed over in battle. And Paul's point is here that the Christian should always stand fixed in the gospel through which he or she has peace with God. An objective peace with God in Christ through the gospel, which leads to subjective inner peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace in our hearts from God that is unaffected and unchanged, even in the fiercest attack by the devil and his armies. That inner peace is the inalienable right of every believer in Jesus Christ irrespective of how severe that evil day of temptation is, irrespective of how severe the schemes of the devil are. So to stand firm in the gospel of peace, and along with this standing firm is another idea, which, which comes to us clearly from the text, and that is to be willing always to give a defense of the gospel message to those that ask it of us. In line with 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, which says that we need to sanctify the Lord in our hearts and always be willing to give a defense, to give an explanation of the gospel hope that we have in our hearts. So both of these ideas are put together here when he talks about um, putting the uh, shoes on our feet, which is the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And again, I want to apply here. This implies not to be ashamed of the gospel, beloved. Remember what Jesus said, if you are ashamed of him and of his gospel message, he's going to be ashamed of you before the Father when he comes in the glory of his Father and with his holy angels at his return. We need not be ashamed of the gospel, but we, we should rather yell out with the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, 
I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation for all who believe. For all who believe. The devil will attempt to rob you of your peace. Know that that is coming. And he will try and do it through various means. He will, through his scheming, his schemes that's mentioned in the text. will try and rob you of your peace. And it's only as you stand firm in the gospel of peace that you will retain that inner sense of the peace that you have with God in the evil day of temptation. If you do not stand firm in the gospel of peace, dear believer, you will be an easy prey for the devil and his armies. Then a fourth spiritual characteristic that we need to clothe ourselves with that God provides us as part of the spiritual armor in Christ, and that is faith. Faith. We looked at truth, we looked at righteousness, we looked at peace, faith. The Roman soldier's shield, he talks about this shield of faith in our text, was a very big shield. It covered most of the Roman soldier's body. And behind that shield, he was safe from the fiery darts, from arrows, from blows with swords and spears. And Paul's point basically is that if we have a firm faith in God, It will likewise, like that shield of the Roman soldier, it will protect the Christian from the fiery darts of unwholesome critique that comes to us. If we have a firm faith in God, we will be able to fend off unwholesome critique and unwholesome accusation and slander and unfair treatment. Are you being unfairly treated? We need faith to stand firm uh, in such situations, uh, to, to fend off the fiery darts of depression, of discouragement, of anxiety, of worry, of fear, and all of these. If I may uh, apply again here, it implies that we need to repent from all self-trust, all self-reliance, on our own abilities, our own ingenuity, our own intellect, our own talents, our own resources, on others. We need to to put our faith in all of these things so that we might wholeheartedly trust in God, exclusively in God, for the power that comes from Him to withstand in the evil day and to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Believe me, beloved, no amount of rolling up your sleeves higher and gritting on your teeth harder is uh, going to make a difference. We can't do anything by our own power against a spiritual foe like the devil. It's only as you keep the eyes of faith on God that you will receive the enabling of the Holy Spirit to stand victorious in the struggle. If you trust in yourself rather than God, you will be an easy prey for the enemy. Then a fifth spiritual quality that we need to put on is assurance. Assurance. He talks about this in verse 17a, the helmet of salvation. Now Paul refers here to certainty of salvation, which is a firm conviction that God has saved you in Christ through your repentance and faith in Him from the penalty of sin, from the punishment of sin, 
and from the power of sin. And then when Christ comes again, you will also, through your glorification, be saved from the presence of sin. We need to have a certainty, a strong and firm conviction of our salvation. And Paul's point is just this. As the Roman soldier's helmet protected his head against fatal blows, so the Christian's assurance of salvation will protect his thoughts from doubts on the evil day. Because the enemy will also attack you in your thoughts to create doubt and uncertainty. And we need to put on the helmet of salvation, a firm conviction of our salvation. Now this implies by way of application that we must withstand all thoughts of doubt and remind ourselves and remind each other continually and preach to yourself the promises of God's word. What does it say? To all who received Christ, who believed in his name, God gave the right to become the children of God. John 1 verse 12. Quote it to yourself. 1 John 5 verse 13. These things have I written to you who believe on the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, that you may know that you have eternal life. These are verses that bolster and strengthen our conviction of salvation. If you have believed on Christ. If you do not have a firm certainty of salvation, you will be easy prey for the devil and his armies. And then sixthly, and a last spiritual quality that we must put on as armor that God provides us in Christ is the Word of God, the Scriptures. Verse 17b talks about taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now Paul refers here to that system of doctrine that system of teaching that God has revealed to us in the Bible. It is the gospel truth, which I mentioned earlier. The gospel truth is mentioned here. The gospel truth that Jesus also used to withstand the devil and to stand firm during his own temptation in the wilderness. You remember, after his baptism, God allowed that Satan take him into the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights. He fasted and the devil tempted him on three fronts. On the needs of the flesh, which was his hunger. Also the desires of the flesh for recognition and for power. And every time, what did Jesus do? He immobilized the attack of Satan by quoting scripture. From Deuteronomy, constantly saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. And Paul's point is just that as the Roman soldier was able to immobilize the attack from the enemy with his sword, so we, as Christians, like Jesus in the wilderness, will be able to immobilize every attack from the enemy with the sword of the Spirit. As James 4, 7 says, withstand the devil... And he will flee. And we do that through Scripture. If I may make another application here, beloved, this implies that we must spend much time daily, as much as the Lord allows in the Word of God, in your daily quiet time, in Bible study. It's very important so that you may have a better knowledge continually and grow towards a greater ability to use the sword of the Spirit in the spiritual conflict. 
If you do not stand firm on the word of God, you are going to be easy prey for the devil and his armies. So I'd like to end off by asking you a personal question. And if I could look in each one's eye, I would. Where do you stand this evening with regard to the armor of God? Are you living a life of truthfulness, of practical righteousness to the glory of God in Christ by the enabling of the Holy Spirit? Are you standing firm in the gospel of peace? Are you growing in a firm faith in God in all your circumstances? Do you have certainty of your salvation tonight? And do you know the scriptures? Do you believe it? And are you standing firm on it? May God help each and every one of us to consider our need for the armor of God and then to clothe ourselves every day in the armor that He provides so that we might withstand on the day of temptation and stand firm to the glory of God by the enabling of the Holy Spirit and for the glory of God. Amen. Let's close our eyes. Lord, we thank you for the, how practical your word is. Thank you for speaking to us tonight through your word and spirit. Lord, of reminding us that we are, uh, we are standing in a struggle every day. A struggle not against human powers, but against spiritual powers. That of the devil and his demonic armies. And dear God, we know that in ourselves we do not have the ability to stand against an foe like the devil. We know we need the armor and we thank you from the bottoms of our hearts, Lord, for providing for us in Christ the armor that we need to stand firm against the schemes of the devil on the evil day of temptation. Help us, Lord, to daily clothe ourselves with the enabling of the Spirit, through the enabling of the Spirit, rather, with truthfulness, with righteousness, with peace, Lord, with assurance, with faith with the Word of God, so that we might glorify you as we stand firm in your victory, the victory that you have already achieved on Calvary. O oh Lord, bless us. May we, you help us to meditate on what we've heard tonight during the course of the week. Burn it into our hearts and grow us in our understanding of this text. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.